0: You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in.
1: Good morning, everybody. Good morning to all of you watching online. Come on, let's give them a big old hand from all over the world. We love you. Mom and Dad, you guys are watching. I hope I make you you proud. We've got Roxy watching from Calhoun, Louisiana, who is cancer-free today. How about that? Your church family is rejoicing with you. It's been a long journey, but I'm believing that this is over in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. So glad that you could join us. Don't forget to like and share this with your friends and allow the light of Jesus to influence your social media world because they need it. Uh, John chapter 4 is where we're going today. John chapter 4, and as we're turning there, I just want to say thank you for being an extremely generous church. You guys have stood behind us financially with your tithes, with your offerings, and we, uh, we appreciate it so much. We're able to help so many people. Also, we have, um, we have a parking problem here. So, <laughs> uh, starting next week, we will hopefully have four wheel drive parking only. Where's my four wheel drive people at? Where are you at? Some of you are Baptists, and just won't raise your hands in church. We know you're four wheel drive. We're gonna open up our baseball field back here and hopefully be able to relieve some of the the pressure of, of not having enough parking. Um, Also, because of your generosity, Uh, about three weeks ago, uh, the Richard Parker Plumbing Building, which is right over here directly behind you, that went up for sale. Richard Parker, uh, his health was failing, so we were able to talk to him. He said, hey, I I want you guys to have this. Know that you can't afford to lose those parking spaces. There's 32 parking spaces that we really desperately need. We've worked out a great deal with him, and if somebody else was to buy that building, that would really hurt us. And so he gave us a a price on that building that was $180,000 less than market price, Uh, Because he wanted us to have it, not lose it. So we appreciate that. And because of your generosity, we were able to buy that building. So thank you so much for for being a generous church. And we're a growing church, so we're experiencing all the issues that come with with growing. But it's a good thing to be a part of a church that is alive and growing. Amen? So John chapter 4 today, I want to start a new mini-series that will lead us up towards Easter. Easter is coming already. It's right around the corner. Gosh, the year's flying by. I want to bring a new series called Prove It. Somebody say, Prove It. Prove It. it. Now, I am extremely thankful that I have grown up in a time where people did not have cell phones and cameras in their pockets in my world. I am so thankful that there are a lot of things that I did that you can't prove. (laughs) There is no proof, and I'm grateful for it, but you know, honestly, the... The, the technological season that we're in today, even if you saw it, you might not believe it. You know, there are, there's AI and deep fake technology. There's things that you will see and hear that are completely fake that look like the real deal. Like, that's the person. Like, I watched George Washington rap NWA. I didn't know George Washington was West Coast. I didn't know that. Some of you are like, who's George Washington? Like... There's a few of us that were alive back then. They're, they're like, he really rapped like that. I'm serious. That was him. I'm just telling you. Like, they will, they'll show you pictures of Elvis, and he's living on a farm in Nashville. You're like, that's him. I don't know what to believe anymore. You can't believe your eyes. You can't believe what you hear. Uh, this is, we live in a, a deep, fake age where it's difficult to prove a lot of things. But I'm thankful that we can prove the existence of Jesus. We can historically prove it, we can theologically prove it, we can, uh, we can look at it from all different perspectives and, re- and quickly come to the conclusion there is zero chance that he did not exist, there is zero chance he didn't rise from the dead, we can prove it, but I want to talk about that on a deeper level today in this new series called Prove It, and I want to show you this, that the greatest proof of the existence of Jesus is my story and I want you to internalize that simple statement because we're going to build everything that we talk about today around that statement of truth. One of the greatest examples, one of the greatest proofs that Jesus is alive is what he has done for you, for you. You see, it's easy for us to hear someone else's story and to say, well, maybe, maybe it's true for them, maybe it's not true for me. The world is looking for proof and the proof that Jesus exists is you, And somewhere along the line, we have believed this lie, that my story doesn't have a lot of power, that my testimony doesn't really produce anything greater. You know, it needs to just let somebody else share their testimony because theirs is better than mine. I want you to recognize that your story has real power. And the proof that Jesus exists is what he's done in your life and the way that you share that. And I want to share this as well. Nobody can disprove your testimony. No one can disprove your testimony. That's why the enemy doesn't want you to tell it. There's power when you share what Jesus has done for you. So we're going to go to John chapter 4. Many of you know this story. This is Jesus uh, uh, with the woman at the well. And this is recorded in, in several of the Gospels. A powerful story of this Samaritan woman who comes to the well in the middle of the day. She's coming by herself. And of course, that tells us a lot kind of about who she was, and Jesus begins to read her mail, and this conversation begins to happen as Jesus and this woman uh, begin, to, begin to talk about things that were very, very personal at the time, but then she leaves that conversation and brings Jesus to a region that was, that was outcast from society, people that were enemies with the Jews. Samaritans and Jews were, were at odds with one another. And so this woman, through the power of this conversation with Jesus, takes the story of the transformation of her life back to a region and watches God do incredible things with an unreached people group. And I want you to see that just, just in the story of alone, there's there's a lot of amazing things that, that we can pull out that apply to us today. And the first is that Jesus and this woman, just because, just because he's a, a male and she's a female, they shouldn't be having this conversation. But also, he's a Jew, she's a Samaritan, they shouldn't be having this conversation. She's coming alone. There's a lot of dangers here and social boundaries that were crossed. But Jesus was willing to cross those social boundaries. And, and look at me, and so will you. If you're going to be willing to share the story of what Jesus has done for you, it is going to take you across political lines. It's going to take you across gender lines. It's going to get, God's going to use the power of your story to share it with people that don't look, act, think, or vote like you. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Jesus crossed social boundaries and so will we. I think we get into this mindset of I'm going to share the gospel of people who look, act, and think and vote like me. Like, that's not sharing the gospel. That's called talking. And depending upon how much you share, it's called gossip. <laughs> Can we go there? Is that We're going there today already? I've been off for three weeks and you're, you're reading my mail. Uh, Jesus crossed social boundaries and so will we. So I want to pick it up in, in John chapter 4 and verse 39, and I want you to see what happens after the conversation at the well. So this woman leaves, she goes back to her region of Samaria, and this is what happens verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus. Because of this woman's testimony, I want to stop right there for just a second. If you're a note taker, you might want to grab your pen, underline that in your paper Bible, highlight that in your version Bible app if you would. This is important. I want to just challenge you with that scripture. Who believes in Jesus because of your story? That should resonate in the heart of every believer. That should challenge you. It should stir you up a little bit that there are people that I know for sure are going to heaven because of me, because of what Christ has done in my heart. That's the good news of the gospel. There's freedom, there's grace. There's a life change that's happened in my heart and it has affected my world. Who is gonna be in heaven because of you? Let that challenge you today. Let it stir you up a little bit. When do we buy into a lie as a church that all I've gotta do is get my fire insurance and I'm good to go and everybody else can go to hell? Like, that's not Christianity. Many people believed in Jesus because of her testimony. And by the way, this is... uh, This is not saying anything negative about what Jesus did in her heart. But this also tells you a lot about where she came from. They recognize that this is not the same person. You see, this woman had had five husbands and the one that she was living with wasn't hers. Which leads me to a question, whose husband was it? And she's going to this well in the middle of the day because she is an outcast, rejected by society. This should be a time where she goes with other women at the beginning of the day where they can have conversations and it should be a nice break from the normal Monday. But yet she's having to go by herself, unsafe, uncovered because she's rejected an outcast. And Jesus has this conversation and that conversation bears great fruit. And it changes the history of the world. She becomes the very first missionary, the very first preacher of the gospel. I found the Messiah. You guys got to come see this. Many people believe because of her testimony. She says, he told me everything I ever did. Now, I want to pause right there for a moment because if you had a conversation with Jesus and Jesus told you everything you've ever done, I wouldn't be too happy about that. I'm like, hey, that that was before cell phones, Jesus. There, there's no proof of that. He's like, I know. I'm like, but do you? Because I'll get Johnny Cochran, and I'll put on my best defense, and the glove doesn't fit, and you're going to acquit. <laughs> Says he told me everything I ever did, and she was happy about it. Why? Because Jesus is the perfect balance between truth and grace. Yes, he recognizes how far. You were from him, but he also gives us hope. He recognizes how bad your past is and was, but he also says that's underneath the blood of Jesus. When God can look at every horrible thing in your life and yet not reject you, but give you grace and make you say, I'm not ashamed of where I've been anymore. Why? Because of Jesus. Man, there's a, that's proof to me. I don't have to hide it. He told me everything I ever did. And he could do the same for you. Look at this. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed for two days. I could stop right there and say, Jesus comes where he's invited, and if you want him to stay, ask him to stay. For some of us, it's like, I should ask Jesus to come in my home. I should ask the Holy Spirit to abide here. That's a good thing. I want him to stay in this church. I want him to be the Lord of this church. I want the Holy Spirit here, because you don't want just to come hear me. You need to come and have an encounter with Jesus, and he comes where he's invited. He stays where he's asked to stay and he teaches more and more things. And it says, and because of his words, many more became believers. And they said this to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves. And now we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Or in other words, yeah, when we heard your testimony, it opened up the door for us to hunger for something deeper. Like I want to know more. Tell me about this Jesus. Tell me about this experience because the person that I know is not the person that I see. He's done something different in you. And there's a joy and there's a boldness and there's a peace and there's an excitement. There's passion. And it's real. And people recognize that she has had an encounter with something special, something different, something precious, something powerful. And they're like, I want that. And the same is true for our world today. Your world is dying for the proof that Jesus didn't just come, didn't just live, didn't just die on a cross, but rose from the grave so that we could have forgiveness of sin. We could have grace and a life of purpose. Your world is looking for proof and the greatest proof of Jesus is you. It's you. I'm gonna share with you some statistics um, starting next week about the, the, the state of our world and what people believe about Jesus. And let me just remind you, uh, the, our church, man, we've got a call. We've got a mandate from scripture We've got a purpose for being here. It's not just to come and listen to a couple of songs and check a box and say, well, I went to church. No, we are the church. We have a mission and our city is lost in legalism, dead in trespasses and sin. They need the hope to which you were called. They need your story and we will dismiss ourselves and say, I'm not worthy. Let Jesus use somebody else. I'm not polished. I'm not really good at talking. I don't really have all this stuff worked out. I'm just barely going for myself. I get that. But the woman at the well leaves you no excuse because she didn't know doctrine. She didn't know theology, but she had met Jesus and that's all that you need. She just had an encounter with Jesus and she changed the region with her testimony. It's the proof that Jesus exists and it's living inside of you. And hopefully I'm going to help to unlock that today to give you some reasons to be bold with your faith, to be willing to take that chance to step out on faith tomorrow morning and recognize that, God, you sent me here to this job for a reason. Well, it's hard to soar like an eagle when you work around a bunch of turkeys. Like, God puts you in that turkey patch for a reason. Come on, baby. Do what God's called you to do. He's planted you there for a reason. There are people there that need some encouragement, need a little prayer, need a little help. Maybe just a smile, maybe just a lunch, whatever it is. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you tomorrow to bring Jesus into your world. This is why you're here. So how do I prove that Jesus exists? How do I use my testimony to do that? How do I prove it to myself? Because sometimes it's not about me proving it to anybody else, but I need to look at myself. Like, how do, I, how do I know for sure that Jesus is living in my heart? How do I know for sure that I'm a believer? Sometimes I feel like I am. Sometimes I feel like maybe I'm far away from God. I know that no one in here would ever say that. That's for people in third service. But for us, like we're solidified in our faith. You never have moments of doubt. How do I prove that Jesus exists? How do I prove he's living in my heart? How do I prove my life has changed? How do I do that? I want to give you four things. These are extremely important. They should be in the life of every believer. And these are not just things that are uh, either there or they're not. But they're things that we've done before and you kind of get away from them Sometimes. And you recognize, like, wait a minute, I need to get back to that. Here's the first thing I want to share with you. Number one, proof of Jesus starts with a willingness to give. A willingness to give. Giving and your heart are always attached to your finances and your ability to lay down yourself and give something back. And Jesus recognizes this in the heart of that woman when he asks her a question. He says, will you give me a drink? Now, I think for most of us in this room, if you're a believer and someone, someone was thirsty and you knew that they were thirsty and they said, would you give me a drink? All of us would, would hopefully help out. We'd say, yeah, you know, there's a store right here. Let me get you, I'll get you the large cup. You know, I, what do you want? Diet Dr. Pepper, what do you want? What's your drink of choice? We'd give somebody a drink, but notice this. She says, you don't have a bucket. So she gives Jesus a drink from her bucket. I don't know about you. I would buy people a drink, but when they say, no, 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 can I have a drink of yours? Mm Mm-mm. I don't even let my own kids drink out of that. Ever since they're about one and a half, two years old, they start putting them floaties in that cup. No, you may be my flesh and blood, but you ain't drinking out of my cup. Get your own cup. We have more than one cup, in case you didn't know. We are a very wealthy family. We have like three cups. You would not believe the amount of Yetis and Tumblers and Stanleys we have in our house. Can we just pause for a minute and recognize the epidemic that is going on with Tumblers? Do not give me another coffee mug. Don't give me another Tumbler. I've got it covered for the next 50 years. I got them all. I don't need any more. Jesus says, can I have a drink from your bucket? Yours. And that should hit each believer right in the chest. When we recognize that Jesus doesn't need anything from us, but asks us if we're willing to give. And it's a reflection of our hearts when we're willing to step outside of ourselves and give Jesus what he's asking for. I want you to recognize that simple fact that when you give and when you serve, when you step outside of yourself, that that's proof that Jesus exists because that ain't normal. What's normal is I've got to worry about me and mine, pastor. I've got to worry about my own bills. I've got to worry about my own future. I've got to worry about my retirement, and my savings. I may not have enough. I get it. I don't have enough time. I can't serve. I can't, I, I, I'm too busy for that. We've got a schedule you wouldn't believe. And we've got kids baseball and we've got girls softball and we got track. And then we've got this and we've got that. And we've got vacation. I can't serve. I'm busy. I get it. But the woman at the well doesn't leave a lot of excuses for us because she comes to a place and meets with Jesus where it's not safe and it's not convenient. And she could have easily said, you need to mind your business. You're a man. You're not supposed to be talking to me. You're a Jew. You're not supposed to be talking to me. Mind your business. I'm worried about myself. I've got to come here to this well by myself. I don't need to be harassed by nobody right now. I'm just trying to get some water, man. Can you just leave me alone? But she doesn't. She gives Jesus a drink from her bucket and Jesus recognizes that she's right for the gospel because there's something stirring in her heart oh let it always be said of us that we've never gotten past the simplicity and the power the purity of the gospel of Jesus just meeting with Jesus because it's done something to our heart where we're not selfish self-centered believers that we're of those that believe that whatever God asks me it's all his anyway whatever he says my answer is yes Yes, I'll serve. I'll go. I'll do it. Why? Because my schedule, first of all, Lord, belongs to you. It belongs to you. You see, a sure sign of meeting with Jesus is a heart to give. A heart to give. And for some of us, we've gotten away from that. You found Jesus and you wanted to give something back. You found Jesus and you wanted to serve, and then something came along Somebody offended you. Somebody said something. Somebody preached a message. Somebody didn't sing your favorite song. Somebody sat in your seat. He, she knows I sit there every second service is in my seat. Somebody said something. Well, I'm not going to serve anymore. That's how they're going to treat me. I'm not going to that group because I didn't like she sat next to me. She made a casserole. She knows I don't eat casseroles. Like I, somebody said something. Somebody does something. You get lost in your feels. And then the purpose that God has made you for, the things he wants to do in your world, go out the window because you're offended. Not you, people in third service. I'm preaching to them. I'm, wa- I'm preaching to those watching online. We don't, we don't have a problem with that. And we'll get out of this mode of giving and serving. And you get really lost in yourself when you do that. It's difficult for me to pastor you because I'm having to pastor your feelings, which change every five minutes. I not you to notice this in the book of Hebrews in chapter six, Paul, uh, the, the situation here is that a church needed help. And so he had appealed to this one church to help them. And he wants to remind them that, Hey, God is not an unjust God. God sees what you're doing. And he says this, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown him as you have helped his people. How do we show the love of God? Help his people. And God says, I need you to help this person. I need you to help that person. I need you to sow here, do this, move, here, move this way. God says, I will not forget that because you're being obedient to what I've called you to do. You're being the hands and the feet of Jesus. And I won't forget it. When you've shown the love to the father by helping his people. And he says this, as you not only have done that, but you continue to help them. I think for some of us, it's like, yeah, I did that before. I served one time. I the box, I'm good. He said, no, 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 you continue to do it. And I'm here to hopefully stir you up today to get back on the horse. Give some people the benefit of the doubt. If they offended you, let it go. If they hurt you, let it go. If they said something, they said in your seat, we'll get you another chair. We'll find you a better seat. You can have mine, just, just come. Serve, give, be a part of it. Why? Because it's a hard issue. A sure sign of meeting with Jesus is a heart to serve and a heart to give. You see, heart change begins when we step outside of ourselves. It's not just about you. It's about what Christ can do through you. You will get lost as a believer. You'll become ineffective as a believer if you're only concerned with what it benefits to you. Jesus took this woman's willingness to give him a drink from her bucket and made her the very first missionary in the history of the world. Because she's willing to serve, willing to give. Do you see it? Is this okay? Here's a second marker. The proof that Jesus is living inside of our hearts. Number two, the proof is in our joy. Joy. At which point in our salvation walk do we think it's okay to get baptized in pickle juice? Some of the most sour people I've ever seen in my life are so-called Christians. Like who wants to hear a story from you? Let me tell you my testimony. Jesus saved me. I used to be angry. I don't know. Which church do you go to? I go to the high Ridge. Well, I'm not going there. so the I'm not going to. I am going to turn out like that. There's supposed to be some joy. Some joy, and this woman has an encounter with Jesus. She runs off, the Bible says, filled with great joy and excitement. And she says, look, he told me everything I ever did. And in other words, that used to be me, but that's not me anymore. He forgave me my sins. I've met the Messiah, the Savior of the world. There's some joy, and that joy convinces people that she ain't the same. This is a different person. Where's your joy? Where's your joy? I want to remind you of this simple fact That when you are saved and filled with the Holy Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit is love and? Come on, somebody say joy. Joy. Peace and patience and gentleness and kindness. Let me remind you, none of those are going to naturally happen on their own. They're all choices that you can make. When you're filled with the Spirit, you have it. You have to yield to it. There's a yielding to the Holy Spirit to let him be in charge. So I need to show love in the situation. I have the power to do it. Why? Because I have the Holy Spirit. I need to be kind. You have the power to do it. Okay, I just don't have the mouth. Like then shut your mouth and be kind. You have the ability to choose joy because you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. If you've been saved, if you've been filled with the Spirit of God, you have joy. It's a marker of a believer. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, meekness, self-control. I can't control myself. Holy Spirit says, yes, you can. Yes, you can. We have great joy. And so when you start sharing your testimony of what God has done for you, do it with joy. And it brings power to your testimony. See, sharing the good news of Jesus shouldn't be like nails on a chalkboard to anybody except the devil. Yeah. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. I've got so much joy. <laughs> You've got crazy eyes. I don't <laughs> share with joy. 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 Joy is a choice. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Choose joy. First Peter chapter 1, verse 8 says, Though you haven't seen Jesus, you love him. Though you don't now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. You have joy. Say it with me. I have joy. I have joy. Have joy. Say it again. I, I have joy. I have, joy. have <laughs> joy. Say it till you believe it. Come on. I have joy. I you have joy. joy. Yes, you do. Baseball season hasn't started. Football season hasn't started. So nothing's sucking the life out of you right now. You've got joy. There's a small window in between sports where you can have joy until they take it from you again year after year, unless you're an Astros fan. Mm. You got cheaters, that's what you got. No, you know, um, when, when the Jesus revolution hit our country, in the late 60s, early 70s, it was a powerful time where people that, uh, that were lost and dead in religious works and, and, and dead churches suddenly started seeing that the power of God was moving, and it wasn't moving in the church. It was moving amongst some people that they had rejected. And these hippies that have dropped out of society, taken off their shoes, burned their bras, listened to all kinds of crazy music, dropped acid when they came to the end of all that rebellion and found that they still had nothing jesus was waiting for them and the heart of god began to move through a group of people that everyone else had pushed out and rejected and then when churches began accepting those and recognizing that these people had been with jesus they've had a true experience then revival began to hit our country in a powerful way it was huge it was powerful Time Magazine wrote an incredible article about the Jesus Revolution. and said one of the great markers is not just the healing that's happening and the, the, the death of racism and the death of classism and old and young. One of the great markers is they've got joy. Joy is attractive. Joy is what people are looking for. Because you couldn't smoke enough to get joy and you couldn't snort enough. You couldn't have sex enough. You couldn't come to the end of all that stuff and find it. Joy was only found in Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it hit him. And the world took notice because of the joy. You have joy. Let me remind you of this. If finding Jesus doesn't come with joy, then I may have found something different. You might have found religion. And I'm not here pushing religion today. I'm telling you, there is joy. There's real joy. Joy that doesn't make sense because I know what I was before Jesus found me. So I've got a lot of reasons to be joyful. I know where I was headed before Jesus found me. There's a joy inside of me that you can't take away. You didn't give it, and you can't take away. We used to sing that song. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. We would say, where? Down in my heart. Because the proof that Jesus exists means he gave me joy. He didn't baptize me in pickle juice. He gave me joy. And for some of us, it's time to embrace joy. Your world needs it. It brings strength to your testimony. Nehemiah 8 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. I need strength, pastor. Choose joy. Choose the joy of the Lord. The power of the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. You have the strength that you need in the joy of the Lord. I would add this. The joy of the Lord is not only your strength, it's the strength of your testimony. When you share Jesus with the spirit of joy, there's strength there that doesn't come in any other way. Joy. The joy of the Lord is a strong argument. As a matter of fact, the joy of the Lord is the strongest argument we have against atheism. There's some atheists that are the smartest people you're ever going to meet on this planet. You know what they don't have? Joy! (laughs) And they say, yeah, that's cool. I I mean, uh, you're pretty smart, but you know what I got? (laughs) I got joy. You don't have that, do you? No. Why? Because you think you came from monkeys. I guess they took your joy and didn't involve with you. I don't know where I'm going with that. It just seemed like the right thing to say. Here's number three. Not only do we have joy as a proof that Jesus is living in our side of our hearts, but number three, we have boldness. Somebody say boldness. 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 The Spirit of God didn't give us timidity. Power. Boldness. Boldness. And I want you to recognize that this woman leaves the conversation with Jesus and goes and changes a region. Not in fear anymore. In great faith. In boldness. Was she perfect? No. Was she theologically trained? No. She wasn't polished. She was convinced. Convinced. Yeah. I have been with Jesus. He told me everything about me, things I didn't know. And guess what? He changed my life and he wants to change yours. I'm telling you, I found the Messiah. I found Jesus. You cannot argue with a person that is convinced. And when they've got joy and boldness and they're serving and giving, that ain't the same as a normal person. We are ruined for normal because we've been with Jesus, let me tell you this, when you're excited about Jesus, others cannot ignore that. It's passion. Was she polished? No, she was passionate. Because she's been with Jesus. The heart has changed. When did you lose your passion? When did you lose your boldness? When did the world take that from you? Your boldness. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Remember that? We're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We're not called to be timid. We're called to be bold. And by the way, bold doesn't mean rude. I got a chapter called 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to do it in love. But we're going to be bold. Take a step. Share your story. Do it with boldness. They went, they, they hear this woman's testimony, and they go, they go from ignoring her to asking her more. Think about it. The turn of events there from her being an outcast to tell me more because you ain't the same wow what a miraculous conversation with Jesus that gives a person boldness where they were rejected and just trying to get by trying to avoid everybody to you can't avoid me so my dad tells a story when the Jesus movement hit Texas um, it was powerful and it, it changed my dad's life. My, my dad was a, a drug dealer, drug user, and uh, it was just a powerful heart transformation that came into his life. And it, when it hit the city, it was just insane. And Sunday mornings, going to church was not enough for them. They just, they're like, what is it, Saturday night? Let's go find some people that don't know Jesus. And they would go and find hitchhikers and serial killers, like, hey, you just need Jesus. I don't, like, how can I answer this question? I don't know, but you need Jesus. Can we just pray for you right now? That was just the kind of boldness it was, because they were ruined for normal. All they knew is like, Sunday morning ain't enough. Like, we're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We don't know a lot of scripture. We don't know anything about anything. We just know that we've had a conversation with Jesus, and you need this. You need it. Do you know Jesus? And so coming from the background that he had come from and the, the, um, the amount of uh, attention from law enforcement over the years... Uh, it, was, it was difficult for many people to, tra- to transition from, you were this way and now you're this way. And so he says he remembers walking out of a store one time and the police officer that had detained or arrested him, that had investigated him 13 times in one year, like, do you know that police officer? Yeah, we've met a time or two. We have a, we have a working relationship. <laughs> in a very small town, like you're the local drug dealer, like he knows who you are. He walks out of the convenience store, and the officer pulls up, hey, Jeff, what you up to today? He's like, man, I'm going to church. (laughs) Yeah, right. What you got on you? I got Jesus. What? I got Jesus. I'm going to church. Man, you should come to church with me. Do you want to go to church? Where do you go to church at? Come to church with me. And the guy's like, huh? (laughs) I got to (laughs) go. And he speeds off. I was talking to my dad about that. We were at a wedding on Friday. I said, he just sped off. He goes, he sped off. I said, what'd you think? He said, I thought to myself, I've been running from him for 10 years. Now he's running for me. <laughs> I just wanted people to know Jesus. I don't, I don't care. I was one way and now I'm not because he changed my heart and he made me bold. And I don't care if you don't like it. I'm telling you, just experience it. You need this. And this has been a marker of believers from the beginning of time when Jesus comes onto the scene. When they have been with Jesus, their life was one way and now it's another way. And you couldn't ignore it. And that passion began to change the world. You couldn't ignore it. You couldn't ignore it. Because they were bold. In a time where fear was the attitude of the day. In Acts chapter four, it says, now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and common men, they were astonished and they recognized they had been with Jesus. You must've been with Jesus because I know you. How do they get this incredible knowledge and wisdom and how do they get this gifts and how do they have this boldness and this joy? They've been with Jesus. He still does the same for you and me. If we would get out of this American version of Christianity and get back to the roots of who we are, we were given boldness to be the hands and feet of Jesus and God wants to use your story to change the world. Believe it. It's the truth. But I'm not polished, pastor. I'm not a great speaker. I don't know how to answer everybody's questions. I don't know when the right time is the right time. I don't have all this stuff put together. I need to learn a lot more before I share my story. The woman at the well proves, no, you don't. You just need to spend time with Jesus and be willing to do whatever he asks you to do. My testimony doesn't require me being polished. It requires me being passionate. Don't have to have the answers. Just need to know the capital A answer. It's Jesus. I don't know, but I know Jesus. What about this? I don't know, but I know Jesus. I think for some of us, We get so lost in what we think we need to know before we become that we never become. How do I prove that Jesus exists? I have a boldness, I have a passion for him. He's changed my heart and I want him to change yours. Here's the last thing and I'll close with this. The proof of Jesus is in the ripple effect. How do I know he's living in my heart? Because it didn't just affect me, it affects the people around me. It's a generational ripple. It's not just for your parents. It's not just for you. It's for your children. Joel was so passionate when he writes this in Joel chapter 2. It's for your children and your children's children and as many as are far off. That means that the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit, when it infiltrates each of our lives, begins to not just affect you, but your children and the next generation and the next generation and the next. If you'll share your story, if you'll become who Jesus has called you to be, it has an effect that's bigger than you. And that's a good thing. The proof is in the effect, the generational ripple. You see, your willingness to share Jesus creates a momentum wave that God uses to change generations. It matters. It has eternal consequences when you step outside of churches just on Sunday. And you become the church on Monday. It's bigger than what you know. The enemy wants you to believe that you will make no difference. I'm here to tell you that when I get you to know God, you start finding freedom, you're going to discover purpose and you're going to make a difference that you would not believe. I know it because I'm living proof. See, when the Jesus movement hit the city, it didn't just affect my dad. But in 76, he had a son. And it took me about five or six years to recognize that I need what my parents have. I want that. Remember giving my heart to Jesus as a five-year-old. Now, once I hit about 16, I forgot about that moment. But when I turned 21, the Lord reminded me of the promise I'd made when I was five years old. that he has a purpose and a plan for my life. And I couldn't outrun it. I'd come to the end of myself. And the end of all the things that I was chasing. Looking for what was right in front of me. And it's here. It's right here. It's Jesus and him crucified that changed my heart, changed my life. See, it wasn't just my dad's Jesus. It's my Jesus. It's my children's Jesus and my grandchildren's Jesus. That's the proof that Jesus is more than just a story. It changed my life. It matters. So I wonder, what might your story do? What about your story? What could God do with your willingness to just serve, to just give, to just open up your mouth, to step in, to pray for somebody when you know that they're having a bad day? What could God do if you just listen to him and we're obedient to what he's telling you to do? What could he do? Let me promise you this. It's not going to be normal. It's supernatural. And it produces life change far beyond you. My prayer my hope is that you would believe me and that tomorrow you would step outside of yourself. Step outside of your agenda and your schedule. Don't just check the box, I came to church. Start becoming the church. My goal from the beginning of this year was to help you take some responsibility for your own spiritual maturity. Now I'm challenging you to step out and do what God has called you to do. What is that, pastor? Ask him. I don't know. Ask him. I know what I'm called to do. You need to know what you're called to do. It starts with just saying yes in the little things. Holy Spirit, would you show me? And he will. Jesus, would you come? And he will. He comes where he's invited. Invite him. It's good for you. I want to finish up right there. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And if you're watching online and you enjoyed what you heard today, would you click the share button and share this with your social media world? They they do need it. They need to hear that Jesus could still forgive sins and Jesus changes people's lives. And perhaps you're watching today or perhaps you're here in this room and you're saying, Pastor, if I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't know if I have a relationship with Jesus at all. I may have gone to church, but I don't really have the things that you're talking about. I don't don't know if I've ever really done that. My friend, this next part is just for you. If you want a relationship with Jesus or maybe you've been away from God, you need to come home. You know how you do that? It starts with a prayer. And I want to invite you to pray that prayer with me right where you are. The prayer goes like this. Would you just say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you came and died. I believe you rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. I ask you to take over my life. Forgive me. I want to live for you in Jesus' name. And now with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you made that decision, if you prayed that prayer with me today, would you just simply look up at me and lift up your hand and say, that was me, Pastor. I did that. I prayed that prayer with you. I see you good. If you're watching online and that was you, would you do me a favor? Would you text the number that's appearing on your screen? The number is 844-HRC-TEXT. Text the words, I prayed, to that number. And if you do that, I'm going to send you some things that will help you understand what just happened in your heart and what to do next. I'm proud of you. And this is the beginning of something beautiful. I love being a small part of it. Good for you. Well, High Ridge family, would you go ahead and look up at me, then stand to your feet if you would. I'm gonna invite our elders and their wives forward and these guys are gonna stay right here at the front of this platform to be available to pray for you for anything that you might need prayer for. If you're watching online, you need prayer, would you type it in the chat? Hey, I need some prayer. We would love to pray for you. It's our greatest honor to be the hands and feet of Jesus. It's one of the things God has created us to do to help other people, to pray for them. So if you need prayer, let us pray for you. For everyone else, I wanna bless you and send you out. Also, hey, in case you didn't know, we got Beast Feast coming up really, really quickly. Yeah. And this is a special event for men, and it's just, you would not believe the things that we're going to be able to do. Uh, we have Cy Robertson from the Duck Dynasty coming here. Yeah. Uncle Cy is coming here to this church. Yeah. So we've had ladies ask, can we serve at it? Yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. We, we're happy to have you serving. Uh, Uncle Sai is coming here. It's going to be an amazing time with guys. And we believe that uh, if if we can get the dad to fall in love with Jesus, we're going to get the rest of the family. Like 90-something percent, the whole family will come if you just get the heart of the man. So just do the math. Do the math. This is how we reach people. Get dads to fall in love with Jesus. The family will come. They'll come. So I want to thank you for being a generous church and supporting us so that we can do things like that. It ain't cheap, but it is worth it. When you see that many men respond to the gospel, that's a cool thing. That's where money should go. So also, in case you didn't know, in, uh, in September, September the 14th, I believe, the Thursday in September, uh, we will have Unite again, churches coming together, helping to uh, increase the leadership of our city. We've got Tim Tebow coming to this city, live and in person. This ain't on Zoom, baby. It's live. Timmy Tebow. I'm going to stand next to him and see how big he really is. I might challenge him to a fight. You don't know. Get your cameras ready, because we can prove it. See if he turns the other cheek. I don't know where I'm going with that. But those are the things that God is doing in Longview, Texas, with us, of all people. We just called and asked, and they're like, yeah, I'd love to come. Okay, cool. Let's do it a bit. Just asked. And we, get, we still get calls from people. How in the world did they say yes to you? Just asked. It's called favor. When God's got favor on something, you can't stop it. I wonder what God could do with his favor on your life. It's not just me. It's us. What happens if you step out on faith and just ask? Just look. Just volunteer. Just go. Just show up. What could God do? Don't put limits on God and what he could do with your life. I'm telling you, it's amazing. Let me bless you and send you out. Thank you, Father, for the incredible time we've had getting to know you better through your word. Would you bless my friends with an incredible week following after you all week long in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you as you go. I hope you have an awesome week.
0: Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you wanna be a part of our online community, Connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighridgeLV, or you can check out our website at highridgelv.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit highridgelv.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.